Hello and welcome. My name is Timp. My name is Dante. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. Just, uh, I got this like um, this like twinge in my shoulder. Oh, do you, like, you hurt yourself? Yeah. Yeah. It's like happened. um. Yeah. yeah no, I don't. I don't know. I just feel like uh, I need something to just like you know relax, just like warm it up uh you know hasn't affected my rando playing so far fortunately but i'm afraid it might so i'm kind of in the anyway. same boat my my lower back's been kind of tight um oh really yeah hip flexors are a little tight too but i was thinking i don't know like someone suggested that i should get in a hot tub but i don't have one at my place oh, oh man dude, that sounds that, amazing though that oh. sounds amazing right now mm-hmm. we uh we got to see if we can find someone that that has a hot tub we, we can maybe go crash did, did you guys ever do that when i was a kid um i literally like there was a, a friend on my block that had a trampoline and i'm pretty sure the only reason i was friends with that kid was so i could jump on that trampoline <laughs> yeah yep. i know what you mean oh we I had- feel bad i feel terrible saying that out loud now but uh, you know i'm thinking back to it and it was really all about that trampoline yeah. I had a friend with a pool, and literally, you know, it was like, can we go to his house? Because there's a pool there. And and a hot tub. And see, if I still had that friend, we could get that hot tub. But mm, maybe we can find mm. one. Not in touch with them anymore. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do really quick. We might be able to find one um, a little later, if potentially, and get okay. some relief. No, the best thing is when you find someone that has the hot tub or the trampoline or pool or whatever, but they're also, like, cool to hang out with. Those are, like, lifetime friends. You hang on to those. Well, yeah, yeah for sure. Those are the that, – that's the ideal thing, and I, I may have a lead. Let me let me send a few PMs, uh, but we can okay. we can get, like, the news started. I'll, I'll see what we can find. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll check back in with you on that. For now, uh, let's, uh, as we always do, start with some updates on community tournaments. Um, Things are are definitely kind of stretching out a little bit where there used to be, you know, a round or two of progress between episodes. We're we're getting into the end stages of both of our tournaments. So um, we've got much higher viewer count for each of the individual races and a little bit more space between them. so with that being said, let's open up our challenge for the main tournament, and we will see that we have actually made it to the finals for this one. Our finalists are Jet082 and Ak the Boker. Um, so their first match, actually it's going to be later today as we record this, which is February, uh, Sunday the 23rd. Um, and I think they you, you probably already know who won uh, listening to this, um, even though they haven't even played one game yet, because they're doing all three of them, I think, just like, Back to back to back Sunday Monday Tuesday, um, is that right? I'm yeah. not you know when sure, but I think so. Yeah, yeah. Let me just quick look at see, make sure. Yeah, Sunday Monday Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, each night. So um, maybe. Oh no, I was gonna say maybe I could edit in who wins, but it looks like the it's probably gonna be happening when this episode releases, which is kind of silly. If they go to game three, that is Tuesday. Tim busting in. With some tournament updates since the last time we recorded. Main tournament, we do have a winner. So GG to gold medalist Jet082 winning it all. Uh, GG's well deserved. Also, our silver medalist Act the Boker and our bronze medalist Ninban. Uh, GG to all three of you. Really an incredible tournament. Also, I'm just going to go ahead and use this opportunity to update you on the Challenge Cup. Right now, we are down to the final two. It's going to be Dragon Strike 1988 versus Rascal Nikoff. So next time, we'll be letting you know who the grand champion is of the Challenge Cup. All right. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, um, super cool to see uh, Ack in there. And Jet is one of those, you know, early adopters of the game who's very, very good. Has has a type of seed named after him. If you've ever heard Jet Seed, that is named after this Jet. Um, so two titans of the community going up uh, uh, against against each other for, for this final, um, you know, to be deemed the winner of this tournament. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to watching. Um, not a whole lot we can really say other than that in terms of, you know, tournament updates. Um, the big question some, with that yeah. matchup, though, is I know what a jet is. I know what a jet seed is. But what is a boker? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't understand how we didn't ask when he was on our show what where his name came from i think that's one of those that's one of those big questions i think may never get answered i would love to know what a boker is (laughs) maybe i always just assume it's like from something that i'm not aware of i don't know and like by not knowing i'm just showing my own ignorance of that thing but i don't know so anyway uh we're we're secretly rooting for you ack um but i would also be happy to see jet win you know again it's it's hard when you're a part of the community and you kind of like everyone um, you know, after we were talking about the Challenge Cup and all the, you know, GMP folks in there, um, Quiz Bowl came into our Discord and was like, hey, now I feel really bad for knocking out all those people you said you liked so much. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, man, now I feel bad. <laughs> but Quiz Bowl was in our Discord. So, I mean, they're a GMP person, too, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So Yeah, we have a we'll- council matchup, too, I guess, you know? So, we've got, you know, an all-racing council finals right there. I think that it is that's said to be... Uh, the, the, those council members definitely involved in the racing community, quote unquote. Yeah, their contribution is that they are very fast at this game. That's how they That's help with true. the racing council. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of the Challenge Cup, that is almost out to finals. We know we have Dragon Strike 1988. Uh, they are for sure a finalist. We're just waiting to see. Um, as of the recording of this episode, it looks like Scrub Casual and Rascal Nikoff are at one one. So one of them, whoever wins their next match, will go up against Dragon Strike for the Challenge Cup uh, finals. So um, we'll be looking forward to seeing how that one shakes out as well. Uh, it's been a fun ride. I'd say both these tournaments, uh, brackets especially, has been really interesting uh, and a lot of really great games generated from that that we've we've shared already. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts about these tournaments? Thank God they're finally over. <laughs> Has it been a lot of like work this time to, to put these on, or the same amount as normal? Or no, it's been pretty much about? the same. It's just always, you know, a bittersweet relief when it's finally over, I guess. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah. Herf is going to crack open a big cold one mm-hmm. when it's sure. over. There you go. All right, moving on. Um, so it feels like a while ago because this was like many things that happened in the rando community, unfortunately, something that occurred after we recorded our last episode, but before it was released. So I almost feel like in a way we missed our opportunity to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, so the ALTTPR League, of course, we had the two commissioners on uh, Fear Agent and Sir Link a lot a couple episodes ago. They mentioned they were opening up, uh, you know, a form so that new teams could join in. It was initially... Uh, how many teams was it before? It was 16 teams before, and it was opening up to 32, right? Yeah, we plan to expand it from 16 from Season 1 to 32 and basically double the size. Right, so they opened up the form, you know, and Fear said on the show where it's it's going to be, you know, this day at this time, get ready, it's going to fill up quickly. Well, they got those extra 16 plus 2 teams uh, filled in within 27 seconds, 
and then everyone else was locked out. Uh, so that just goes to show you how excited people were to get into this league. And as you can probably imagine, there were a lot of people who were maybe just a little too slow with submitting their team information, um, you know, say like a few seconds too slow, that were essentially locked out of the season um, at that point. And so that day when that happened, I think it was like the it was Monday, two weeks um, the ago. 10th. Monday, yeah, Monday, yeah. February 10th was that day at noon. Um, that day, there were a lot of folks in a lot of the, you know, ALTTP discords, you know, like ours and the league one, of course, and the main one, who were kind of kind of upset about this. You know, they were really looking forward to being a part of the league. Um, and, you know, some of them had stories like, I was uploading the image, and if I hadn't uploaded the image, I would have gotten in in time, and it turns out I didn't need to do that. And, like, that feels bad to have been excluded for that reason, you know? And uh, enough people were vocal enough um, that the... Well, I guess I'll, I'll hand it over to you, uh, Dante, since you're a moderator. Um, tell <laughs> well, us what happened from there. The, the insider info with that, and I say insider very loosely, unfortunately, I had, a, I had dinner plans the night that this had all gone down. Um, Fear had asked the moderator team to kind of come together if they were available for a voice call. And unfortunately, I was not available for that. But there was a voice call that went on between the admin, which is Fear, and then the rest of the moderation team. Um trying to think of a way to make this happen and like get more teams in. So we came up with the idea that we were going to allow it to expand up to 48 or a maximum of 64. We had worked out two playoff scenarios where if there was a, you know, a third or an extra, I guess, fifth division or something like that, you know, with a 48 team event, uh, we could make playoffs still work. So uh, luckily, you know, it, it, a lot of us were pushing players. We got to, you know, 60 pretty quickly, like 57 to 60 range. And then um, we were getting close to the deadline. I think we were less than 48 hours away. And um, Oro, one of the uh, Go Mode podcast listeners, uh, actually created like a free agency form for you to fill out and tell a little bit about yourself. And then some teams actually formed via that free agency, uh, you know, tool or sheet. And um, yeah, we, we got... 64 I think with a little less than 48 hours in that deadline left and I'm super excited for it it should only add one week to the playoffs uh as far as that goes the the format should still be the same but the mods who are not on teams have been doing a great job to you know balance trying like somewhat balance divisions at the same time uh getting them put together based off time zones so scheduling is not a nightmare because when you have three people Per team and some of these co-op weeks, you definitely want to, you know, have a little bit of ease as far as scheduling goes. So, uh, there, there we're getting ready to have actually a huge. It, it got posted today. There was a ping, uh, and it's going to be speed gaming uh, on speed gaming one or just Twitch.tv/speedgaming on the twenty sixth. So the day this episode comes out, the day you're hopefully listening to this, four p.m. Eastern. There's going to be a group reveal. Uh, as far as the divisions and what team is in what division. So it's going to be pretty exciting. And then the next week we kick things off. Okay, so now there are 64 teams in the ALTTPR League. Yeah, and that doesn't sound like a lot. And it's like, oh, well, you know. What? Was... Are you kidding me? So some people, you know, like I was talking to someone who didn't think about it. They're like, you know, 64, that's just more than 32. But it's 64 times 3. So that's the number of players that we have there's 64 teams but yeah we, we it's it's insane like no, to think that, about 
No, Dancy, that that sounds like a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> For any league to have 64 teams, that's insane. That's so many. That that's is crazy. a lot of teams. Now, I, I'm not I'm not knocking the decision, um, you know, that the ALTTPR mods and, and more specifically, you know, it really came down to fear from what I understand, from, from what I've heard, um, you know, the decision to to expand this. I I'm not saying that was the wrong thing to do. In fact, to be very honest, I think it was the right thing to do because I think there were a lot of people who really wanted to participate. There was a lot of hype for this and there were a lot of people disappointed by that fact. And I think it was good to open this up and include them. I think now, going forward, however, that's where, you know, I I see I think some things need to change for season three with this new knowledge and new information. I have some takes about that that I would love to share. But um, before I do, what were you going to say, Dan? I was going to say, like, I think I, I don't want to. So this is my first thought. OK, and this is me. I'm not speaking as a moderator. I'm speaking as me, Dante, the, the guy who has yeah. occasionally hot takes opinions. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping it's not, but this could be kind of like the peak we see of this. Uh, we, you know, as in the um, the spring tournament, you know, we saw that 512 player Swiss, yeah. and then there was a big drop off from that to the fall tournament of the same year. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I want to see this. I'd love to see this expand because that means the community and the racing community would expand in and of itself. Like I'd love to see 128 teams. Like, that would be insane. And it, it sounds ludicrous, and you, you'd probably think I'm an idiot for saying that, but it just means the community is growing. And then there would be more people who would want to come in and help, you know, moderate and administrate this, you know, and, and get it off the ground. But the thing is, it's like, it, it's tough. I think a lot of teams will see dissolve after this season. Hopefully we see some, you know, friends made, like we talked about in that episode, and we see, you know, people who didn't never you know, interacted with each other, all of a sudden they're playing co-ops, you know, six six months after the league's over because they, you know, figured out they enjoyed each other's company online. So those are those are some options. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it get bigger, but at the same time, I, I'm being realistic. I don't know if it's going to be able to get bigger. <laughs> yeah. So my thing is just that to, to be a league with 64 teams, it's just, it almost kind of defeats the purpose of a league at a certain point. You know, I, I think a league needs to be, you know, teams that are on more or less equal footing that can play each other and try to eventually find out which team is the best. When you have 64, I think that's going to be really difficult. I, I think what what I would like to see, you know, for season three after this all shakes out is maybe like multiple leagues all under one banner, you know? So like there's 32 teams in this league and then there's like a you know a AAA league essentially right. you know you've got, you've got like the pros and then kind of the farm team below that. So there um, was there was yeah. talk of and a Discord actually was created and then very promptly deleted because we decided to do the expansion, but not calling it like a development league or like a D league as you would use for like the NBA in America, mm -hmm. but uh, there was talk of doing kind of like a side league and you know branding it under the same rule set. Basically, the people, I will say, who run the Challenge Cup stepped up instantly and said, we'll do this. And we were going to think about getting that off the ground, and then the idea of the expansion came about, and here we are. Um, <laughs> we did that. So yeah. it, I, I see what, I, I see your point, but at the same time, what I love about this, it, it's, it's Swiss, but with less stress for an individual player. It's like that long Swiss stage where if you want, you've got seven weeks 
and in this case it's six, but six weeks of guaranteed play. And you don't have to play every week, and you don't have to play both matches, so you can rely on your teammates. And one thing I love is you get to sit in Twitch chat and literally stress about what you're you know, your partner's doing and you overanalyze everything they're doing. And then if your other teammates there, you send massive amounts of DMs back and forth about, I hope this works out. I hope this works out. It just adds to me, it adds to the excitement. You don't get that. I don't feel like you get that in a, um, you know, the main tournament and yeah, that, that, that's, that's my take. It, It just gives you more chances to, you know, be involved in some way. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that mission statement that I've mentioned a few times in a few different topics. It's like, you know, if the mission is for inclusiveness and for everyone to have fun playing, then like, yeah, as many teams as possible, who, who cares? You know, but if any part of the mission statement is about entertainment or, you know, creating an institution that's going to be around for a long time or mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, a lot of people watching, you know, if any of those things are important to the mission of ALTTPR League, um, then I think it would make sense to, you know, look at restructuring um, the way that it's all set up. Because the way that I kind of see it in my mind is I, I'd like to get to a point where there are teams where it's like, like you know, they worked really hard to get there and they have their logo and people like support them and like spam their emotes and chat, you know, like yeah. that's the kind of, I, that's, I think that would be a lot of fun to, to kind of be a part of, you know. One thing I think, personally, I don't want to see this. I never want to see where the league has to have like team qualifier races. And if there's qualifying criteria off of something else, maybe I'd be a little more open to it. But for now, I, I I don't want to see qualifiers for that because then it's, it feels like I I love the main tournament. I love doing it. The stress it brings to my life is fantastic. And I I actually mean that, like I love the competitive Mm -hmm. aspect of it. Um, I, I just don't want the league ever to really turn into, you know, the main tournament, but with extra steps. But yeah. if, if we get to that point, you know, like if we've got, you know, 512 players interested in the league, then we're probably going to have to look at something like that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be good teams. There's going to be stacked teams. There's going to be teams that are, you know, I don't want to, I'm not referencing anybody in particular, but there's going to be bottom of the barrel teams. It, it happens in the NBA, the NFL. Yeah. I'm referencing all these American like associations with sports. Yeah. I guess I am feeling axial shoes then, but, um, but yeah, like it's, uh, it's, it's literally that like this, just, there's all ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to mention, I actually didn't have this on the, uh, outline, but I definitely meant to is the, uh, inception of an ALTTPR league fantasy league that you can participate in, or really more specifically, it's, um, Sir Linkalot, I think is heading this up and they've come up with rules that will, assign a point value to every runner that plays in every match based on things like um what sort of swords did they have as they beat each boss you know so like if you look in the end credits and it says like you know fighter sword uh two out of 13 or 11 or whatever that number is Mm -hmm. um you know you get more points for beating more bosses with lower uh you know so with like less strong swords um you know there's ones associated with bonks and uh you know obviously your overall time and things like that so um they are able to give each of these players a point score and then it's up to individual communities like ours for instance to put together a league and to figure out how to draft players and 
all that good stuff. So um, I did want to say this is uh, very, very interesting to me and definitely something I'll be looking to take up on our end. Uh, so stay tuned for details on a Go Mode podcast, ALTTPR League, Fantasy League. Um, I think, you know, uh, this actually goes perfectly along with the discussion we were just having. I probably will cap it at a certain amount of people just because if it's anyone who wants to do it, I think it'll get really large and really out of hand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once mine fills up, there's nothing to say that someone else couldn't open up another one and have their own league, you know, and uh, do, redo a draft with, with new players. So um, stay tuned for details on that. Uh, the Discord is going to be the best place to stay updated on it. But, uh yeah, I, I, that's another way to stay involved and almost doesn't even matter how many teams there are in the league for something like that to still be fun because the top ones are always going to be the top ones, you know. But So in the interest of time, I do want to move on. But any other thoughts about this ALTTPR League uh, expansion uh, that we want to mention before we move oh, on? I think topic? we've more than sufficiently touched on it. <laughs> Her, yeah, Herb's getting antsy. We got to move on. It's late, um, man. All right. Uh, next, moving on to uh, the icebreaker glitch that we d- talked about last time. We didn't actually call it icebreaker at the time, but that is definitely the name of it. Um, very surprised to find out that the Link to the Past NMG community decided uh, uh, um, collectively to ban the usage of that glitch in NMG runs, um, which does not bode well for its inclusion in Rando, but. I guess we never know. You know, something could... That's kind of why we have this racing council, right? Is so that we don't have to just go off what NMG says about everything. So um, I think it's natural to turn to Dante for uh, your takes on this as a member of the ALTTPR racing council. Also a newly appointed captain, by the way. So congrats on that. I, I guess you just needed like more stuff to be to have to do all the time <laughs> to yeah, I needed, fill up your schedule. I needed to, you know, be validate. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, I, I, I wanted to be a spokesperson. I I'm big about, you know, there being some transparency. So I threw my name in the hat and, uh, yeah, I mean, they, the, the council voted myself, P train and Ari as the, the leaders and, uh, P train and Ari are great, great people, um, uh, mm-hmm. and great runners. Uh, P train has been doing a lot of work. We put out an announcement yesterday, uh, to the racing, uh, channel, I guess, or the racing council channel. Uh, about our proposed bylaws and that's basically mm-hmm. going to be everybody can view those uh we're going to be uh getting ready to vote on those and long story short basically go read those they're they're important uh it's going to be kind of the the outline of what our rules are as council and how we have to behave and how we conduct ourselves in our decisions and everything else so uh, yeah if you have any input on that there's a feedback form go read the announcement do the feedback form read the bylaws it's a legal document it's fun <laughs> so yeah no it's not at all um so what are your thoughts about icebreaker being banned for nmg so uh, i hated it and then i liked it and now i'm kind of the mindset i hate it again and i i found out very recently that there are other ways see if you allow that you allow door state and uh like fake door state and it has been found recently that there are other ways to fake door state and it can do other things in the game that you definitely don't want to do, and it could cause major glitches to happen. So therefore, my personal take kind of is, I think it should be banned. But it's allowed in RMG, which is for like the all dungeons run, like the vanilla. I can see why it's allowed there. So, I don't know. We haven't voted on it. We we haven't talked about it in a while, honestly. We've been talking about these bylaws, and we've, you know, when new information comes about, as far as Icebreaker goes, like, 
we, we, we chat about it and we'll, we'll have an official vote on it soon. We have a timetable uh, that P train made for us and we're going to try to stick to that as best we can. Cool. Um, so that uh, icebreaker was up for a vote in the NMG community and also a new, new glitch kind of discovered nearly at the same time called Diver Down that you'll actually hear us talk about a little bit more uh, with Kern because it is a, a technically a water glitch. So we'll save our discussion for that for later on in the episode. Gonna um, say it, not yeah. a big fan of the name. Diver Down? Yeah, <laughs> no. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, so it was discovered. Yeah, it was discovered by, um, there's a, a uh, really well-known uh, ALTTP glitch hunter, I think that's Japanese, called Yuzuhara. Um, you can follow them on Twitter. I'll, I'll go ahead and link their profile in the Yuzuhara description. Yuzuhara needs the game taken away from them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they're just breaking it over their knee constantly. Um, but they're a great follow if you're into rando, because they're it's pretty much... You know, a lot of the times when new glitches are found, they're the one that broke it or is takes it into the lab and, you know, elaborates on it or finds a cool setup or something. So, um, yeah, they found Diver Down. That one was also um, decided not to be included uh, in an NMG setting. So um, any other thoughts about the council or this glitch or anything or can we should we move on? I think we can move on. Yeah, I don't want her to quit the podcast. So let's move on. <laughs> Um, so I just got this idea just now, but I think maybe we should have a new segment on the show uh, specifically for community updates, just like a quick GMP community check-in. Because we are we always have some, you know, and we have two to co- go over real quick right now. So I'm going to come up with like a sound effect or a little like bumper music or something. This is GMP Community News. All right, so the first thing is, uh, Dancy, of course, as you mentioned in the last episode, put together a massive uh, mystery multi, which uh, went down this last Friday, the 21st. Uh, I participated, so did Dancy, and uh, 26 others, so it was 28 of us total. I I thought it was super fun. Um, I I had a really good time. Dancy did a great job being, like, the, you know, administrator, making sure people had items when they needed them. But, uh, Dancy, what, what were your, um, you know, we don't want to get too much into this, but what were your, how did you feel that everything went with the uh, multi that you put together? My internet stayed up. I was very happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, having 28 people connect to me was, or 27, 28, including myself, um, very stressful. Cause I'm like, well, if my internet goes down, this, this kind of goes down. And, uh, I, 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 I think it went as about, about as well as it could. We had probably about 40, 45 minutes of tech issues, just making sure people got set up and connected. That was expected, in my opinion. So we started before 9. I think final runner crossed the line around midnight Eastern, mm-hmm. something like that. So it, uh, I think it went off without a hitch. Uh, hopefully we can do another one at some point. But uh, I hope that everyone that you know participated had a great time. That was kind of the, the point, just kind of chill, hang out people in voice chat and you know, play a game that we all kind of bond and love, bond over and love. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was super fun. It, it only took about three hours, really? Uh, yeah, it was about three, three, four hours. They've done decently, uh, a decent amount of stuff with like patching mm-hmm. the, um, they were like fixing the progression chains and stuff. So that's always good. Oh, but, okay. you know, nice, like nice. Walter, I mean, Walter had a Triforce hunt and I think he was a little late. And if we just, if we would have started without him, uh, we could have ended up beating his seed for him without him even <laughs> oh, coming yeah. in. Yeah, because a lot of people like got a bunch of Triforce pieces. I think he only got maybe two from his own game. So <laughs> That's funny. It was it was pretty great. Uh, he had a pretty hard seed because it was just unweighted and Triforce hunt, and it was like stupid stuff. But 
Yeah, it was like, cool in like in your game to find occasionally a Triforce piece and be like, oh, it's progression every single time. <laughs> the best part was nobody had Insanity Entrance, and that was the blessing of the RNG gods uh, letting us not do that because that could have added to um, some some issues. But uh, but yeah, I, I hope that everybody. Uh, I, I've considered doing a feedback form. I may make an announcement for that. Like we don't have to. If I do, we'll plug it in this. But just to. Mm-hmm see how people felt about it, if there's anything we can improve upon, if they'd be interested in doing it again, something along those lines. But uh, but yeah, I really do hope that everyone had a good time. It seems like they did. I didn't hear anything negative from it, but if there was, please let me know and we'll, you know, if we ever do it again, hopefully we do, we'll <laughs> try to improve upon the negatives. Yeah, I had a, I had a great time. Um, I, I set my own weights and I used um, like the regular weighted weights i guess you call them that they use for the dailies and stuff like that whenever they do those mystery Mm -hmm. um and i took out you know modes that i knew i didn't want to play like retro uh anything that was like insane or extreme you know or very hard i turned off uh and i also gave myself more of a chance to play an enemizer because i'd never played one before and i did get one and it was a lot of fun i really liked enemizer it was it was a it's fun kind of change up to the game and of course you know the multi changes things up quite a bit too but yeah i had a great time I for sure will do something like that again, maybe with, you know, variations and stuff like that. But um, the one thing about multi that to me seemed like maybe a, a bit of a miss was that I feel like when you beat your game, everything that you didn't find should just automatically go to everyone else. Like that should be instead, like we would just have to forfeit and then that would happen. But I think winning should also be a state where like you're done and everyone can have everything you didn't find, you know? I mean, that's one thing you can do. Uh, A a lot of people, like, smaller multis, they like to um, not finish, like, not go beat Ganon until everybody's in go mode. Or, you know, not Mm. pull the pedestal if that's your goal uh, until everybody's in go mode. But, you know. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that in the future. Um, But, yeah, that was super fun. Um, And thanks for putting that together, Dante. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, and then real quick, let's touch on our bi-weekly seeds. So episode 40, we of course had the, um, you know, bosses part two inspired seed that, uh, Sir Linkalot was nice enough to generate for us. I actually thought this one wasn't too bad. Um, there were some people that were a little annoyed with some of the, um, you know, uh, where progression was a few times, like on some bosses and stuff. But overall, I thought it was not, not too bad. Um, what do we want to do for this next one? Do you guys have any suggestions? Because hmm. we're talking about water and glitches and stuff. I don't know yeah. if there's something we do with that. But I've been thinking a bit, think? and I was wondering if we could maybe fabricate a seed where you're required a fake flipper somewhere, but I think that would be kind of hard to do in a way that wouldn't mess up the whole seed in some weird way. Especially yeah. since the customizer is the devil anyways. Yeah. That's what I'm afraid of. Is like Even if we come up with a clever way to place mm-hmm. items to force you to do something like we did with the, uh, you know, like with the hover seed mm-hmm. that we put together with P-Train, that plan though is just, it makes it so, it makes everything else so bad that yeah. I'm, I'm afraid. Um, maybe we, you want to just do a standard? I don't think we've done a standard in a while. You know yeah. what? Let's, let's, let's do an Ambrosia. How about that? Okay. We, we did do an Ambrosia, uh, few episodes ago we could do another one well yeah, i mean no. we've done so many seven seven opens um yeah. maybe maybe it's time we did another ambrosia for everybody okay. yeah, right, yeah we'll do that. that okay so uh, episode 41 seed will be an ambrosia cool um dancy do you have any updates on that that hot side because i man my shoulder is killing me uh, yeah. i actually just got a dm uh from 
one of our community members, Kern, uh, said he has a hot tub, and we've been dying to talk to him. So Dude. this, uh, I think, let's let's just let's just go see if we can just you know, I, I didn't really ask if we could use it, but I asked him if he had one. So let's just let's, he said yeah, yeah. Let's just see if we can just like crash his hot tub. He'll he probably wants to see us. Yeah, right? I mean, we want to see on. him too. That's the thing, right? So this so is like the perfect opportunity. Here's what we'll do. We'll 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 get in a second. We're gonna get up. We're gonna run over there, uh, and jump in that hot tub. And as soon as I get in there, I'm gonna describe a hot tub in the weirdest way possible. Sounds, Sounds good. good. All right, let's go. All right, here we are. Enjoy this beautiful warm water that we're in it's bubbling up nice and uh we are ready to talk about some water physics and water glitches and we are fortunately joined by uh an expert on the subject i would say a glitch hunter and randomizer player kern kern how are you doing today i'm um i'm doing great though a little bit surprised to see you guys in my hot tub to be honest yeah well you know you you said we could uh, have a conversation about water glitches and I took you very, very literally and, and seriously with that, and I, I believe my co-host did as well, and so here we are. Seems uh, spacious enough, you know. Yeah, hey, I mean, thanks. We had to cut, um, you know, our house budget in other areas in order to make the hot tub work, but uh, you know what? When folks like you guys arrive from across the ocean, it makes it all worth it. Hey, what, is, what does this button do right here? Oh, God, no, don't do push that! Eject sequence initiated. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Never, well, maybe, maybe, maybe at the end, I will. I'll, we'll try it again. Is this the lights right here? Can I? Oh, oh, you can change the light color. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, blinking colored LEDs. That's the sign of a true gamer, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just like a good gamer chair. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right, Kern. Um, if you would please, I would love to hear a little bit about your history with ALTTPR. How you got into it. Um, and you know, like kind of how often you play and stuff like that. Give us a, a, you know, an idea of your rando background. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at this yesterday. Apparently my first SRL race was October something or other, 2017. Um, and I got into it because of, uh, streamer, YouTuber Ryukar. I don't know if you guys know him at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he used he to play a lot of uh, Super Mario Maker. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what he's known yeah. for. But there was a brief stint where he was into rando and, uh, so I picked up, you know, I watched his videos on YouTube and got really into it. Um, and then like, I think there was a tournament going on at the time during the summer. I can't remember what tournament it was, but, uh, yeah. So then since then I've, I've pretty much done every main tournament. Um, yeah, since October. So I think the first tournament of mine was the key sanity tournament, which is like mm-hmm. winter 2017, 2018. But yeah, so that's that's how I got into it was just watching Ryukar and it I mean like everybody talks about the promise of Rando being like, hey, it's this game you love, but now you get to play it fresh every time you play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you you definitely took to it. How long did it take from kind of watching him play it to getting into it yourself and then really getting into it and uh, you know, getting getting good at kind of learning the logic and stuff like that? Um, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, so I think I got it. I think the first stream of his I watched was like June or something like that. And the first seed I ran, I think was either August or September. I even recorded it actually. Um, just like locally for fun. I don't mm-hmm. stream it or anything, but, uh, yeah. So then it, it took me a bit to actually like get over the, I'm going to do an SRO race, you know? Oh my yeah. God, it's so nerve wracking. Back in the day when <laughs> weeklies were like 80 people. 
So yeah, <laughs> and then the Key Sanity tournament um, uh, being my first tournament. But I, at that point, like I was practicing, like running a race every day, and you know, I think I even I think the first glitch I ever found was actually during the Key Sanity tournament, if I remember correctly. So I got into that like right away. So yeah, speaking of that, you're you kind of uh, I would say have a reputation in in this community. Um, as being someone who's very interested in kind of the inner workings of the game and finding ways to exploit that um, and and finding new glitches, can you can you tell me tell us like you know like what what the draw is to that for you and and what it is that you enjoy about that? You know, to be honest, it um, it is one of those things where like I have to remember that this is like a like a me thing, you know, or like it's a not everyone thing <laughs> because like the thing that I love about randomizer, which I think is true for a lot of people, is the yeah the promise of it being fresh and different but the thing i love about racing randomizer is the thing the promise of unlike other speed runs you have to route on the fly mm -hmm. so the idea that you could know some obscure sequence break or even better that you could discover a new sequence break in the middle of a race is to me the ultimate promise of routing on the fly so that's i mean for me and it's not even about finding glitches to be honest like I, I could care less about glitches in the vanilla game or major glitches just because all i really care about is tournaments um mm -hmm. so everything that i try to find i'm tr i'm looking for how can i apply this in an actual race setting mm. that is interesting and, and I, I do think it's a hallmark of a, a really good player when you see them do something and you're like i've never seen anyone do that but they just have such a knowledge of this game that they knew this was the time to bust out this super obscure trick or routing path or, you know, strategy or whatever it might be. So that that's kind of where it comes from for, for you as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's partially that. And but to be honest, though, like that makes it sound like it's a super competitive angle. And um, mm -hmm. I think folks who know some of my race highlight moments where I've sequence broken know that it wasn't always to my benefit. <laughs> So, no. <laughs> so, and that's the thing is like, I think for me doing it in a race actually has a lot more to do with, um, doing something impressive than it has to do with winning, um, mm. <laughs> doing, doing, uh, busting out a, an obscure trick and just saying like, Hey, look what I can do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, especially when they work out and they actually, you know, help people lose time as, as, uh, several that you've discovered have, have done. So, um, with that, let's uh, let's get into the the topic at hand, um, which is we wanted to go over uh, physics and glitches specific to water. And I want to give a quick shout out to listener Jono, who sent in a fetch question all the way back at like the end of 2018, suggesting this topic. And we're sort of like, oh, yeah, maybe I don't know, maybe. And and now here we are, it's covering exactly that. So thank you very much, Jono, for the suggestion. All right, so to get started, um, w before we get into the glitches, which is, I think, probably what people are going to be most interested in learning about, it's certainly what I'm looking forward to, I think we also owe it to our listeners to just talk a little bit about water in ALTTPR in general when it comes to movement. Um, so, because, you know, we, we did an episode about movement not too long ago, and we totally just glossed over uh, water and, and swimming in general and, and, and all of that, so... Um, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, now, there's actually not that many places in the game that Link can even swim. Uh, there's not a lot of deep water. Um, uh, let me know if I forget any, but I've I've kind of put together a list here. Uh, Lake Hylia area, light and dark. There's water, dark, uh, deep water there, obviously. Um, the Hylia River, or AKA like East Hyrule, both light and dark. There's water there. 
the Zora area, of course, which is kind of a separate screen from the Light World, um, and that's in that is in Light World. Uh, parts of the swamp area to the south of Link's house in both Light and Dark, or the Bomb Hut in Dark, uh, and then the inside of Swamp Palace, and then I I'm pretty sure that's it in terms of water area. So it's actually not not really a whole lot when you when you think about it. It's you you would think that you know the no having the flippers or not having the flippers or you know getting around water would be a bigger barrier than that but it's only a few places that it actually sort of comes into play yeah there's there's a couple of other deep water areas but they don't assist navigation or lock items like there's the misery mire area has deep water oh yeah which that's true. could be can be useful for certain glitches and then there's also the whirlpool that's like near the base of the death mountain that's used in the vanilla run um but yeah, th- th- that's the, the areas you named are definitely the most relevant swimming I'm areas. trying to think of that that Death Mountain one. I can't even picture that in my head. You like, walk past it when you go and see uh, like Lost Woods area. Mm-hmm. It's like that little oh. pond. Oh, yeah, it's just like a little pond. It's a tiny little thing with like a warp, with Zora warp, whirlpool or whatever in it. Oh, dang. Can you use that whirlpool for anything? Well, I guess we'll get into whirlpools in a little bit here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, there's 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 not too many though to get to get around at least. And in terms of item locations that it blocks, um, we'll we'll also get to that in a little bit. But it's it's not a ton. Um, now let's talk about swimming and kind of you know getting around it and the best way to maximize that motion because the little bit that we did look into it in our movement episode, it's acceleration based, which just seems absolutely mystifying uh to me so uh kern the first question that we put to you here in our outline was to try to make some sense of this so can you you know in in uh in in the best way that you can kind of describe for us how to maximize speed when it comes to swimming yeah i mean i think you're wise to have not touched on on your movement episode because i can and have done in the past literally go on for 12 minutes about all the reasons why acceleration works and how to maximize it but for for the interest of brevity uh and for everybody's time um yeah here's here's the basic like takeaways so one of the important things to understand about how you think about optimal swimming and movement is that there are actually two maximum swim speeds which kind of makes sense when you think about it like if you press the a b or y buttons you know link kind of strokes through the water so we could call that the stroke swim maximum speed. And then the other one where you're not stroking, let's just call it dog paddle because I think it's funny. So, you know, you have the max speed um, of your stroke, though. This is the complicated part. When you're stroking, your max speed actually varies. And the absolute upper maximum speed that you can move like cardinally in any direction would be one and a half uh, pixels per frame, which is the same as your walking movement speed but it's about twice as fast as if you just dog paddled. The problem is, is that as you mash the buttons, um, if you ever miss a mash, then your maximum uh, speed will drop. Your maximum stroke speed will drop until it reaches your dog paddle speed, at which case your maximum potential stroke speed resets. Anyway, it gets really complicated. And again, I'm gonna try not to go into it because it'll take 12 minutes. But the the main takeaways are, once you've accelerated to your normal dog paddle speed, you want to mash A, B, and Y optimally once per frame to maintain the highest maximum swim speed. And if you can do that once per frame, you will move at 1.5 pixels per frame. Uh, if you feel like you've slowed down, then it's good to stop and start mashing again. So like stop until you've reached the dog paddle speed and then start mashing again. Otherwise, you could be you could be stuck at a 
suboptimal mashing or suboptimal stroking speed. Um, so those are the two main things I say, I would say like, if you don't take anything else away from this, those are the two to consider. Um, and of course, if you, if you want to try to stop mashing and start again, there are some screens where you, you don't really want to do that. Like Swamp Palace, you're not going to have time, you know, just mash the buttons, you know. Um, mm -hmm. the other, the other thing though, if you're wanting absolute optimum movement is that you don't want to start stroking until about half a second after you've started diving in the water because it can adversely affect your maximum stroking speed. It gets really complicated, but that's the short version of all that. Interesting. No, that that's that's definitely good to know. Just wait half a second before you start the mash. Yeah, so it's I think it's exactly thirty one frames, um, and you'll see that. Like if you watch, uh, if you ever watch some of the best speedrunners like Iroar or Zelna, you know, or WQ or whatever, you'll see them when they're in Swamp Palace. You'll notice that you know because you, you can hear them mash the buttons. They won't mash mm -hmm. for a half a second, and that's why is because they're trying to get that optimal maximum swimming speed. And then the other takeaway from all this is that, like, you know, one and a half pixels per second is your absolute fastest you can swim, which is your walking speed. So if you have the choice, it's always faster to walk. That is, uh, that's really interesting to me. And I don't, I don't think I knew that. Like, I, I think I would, you know, I'm thinking about South Hyrule um, and the Lake Hylia Shore when, you know, maybe you're coming back from Ice Rod Cave um, and you want to go check other, like, water areas, say, just for instance, um, you know, trying to decide whether to jump in and swim there or to walk all the way and then jump in and swim as little as possible. I feel like I've normally jumped in and swam more because I guess it's the acceleration that makes it seem like you might actually get to a faster speed. Um, also, an important point here to make, I think, is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Kern, but this only applies to normal land walking. Like the Zora area, if you have the choice between walking in the shallow water or swimming, you'll be faster swimming with flippers. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you're right, Herf. I don't remember the actual speed on shallow water, but it is reduced. Yeah, it's I don't remember the slower. actual speed either, but I remember that you're significantly faster if you're swimming with flippers as opposed, you know, unless you have boots or whatever, of course. Yeah, and of course, you know, talking about going from Ishrod Cave, the other the other acknowledgement is if you're going through less tiles, you know, you're walking, if you're cutting the corner, you know, thanks to our friend Pythagoras, it's going to be faster to cut the corner and swim than it would be to walk all the way around sometimes. And I haven't heard about that guy in forever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a little uh, splash party for Pythagoras real quick. Okay, that was fun. Uh, cool. Okay, let's move on. So as I uh, sort of teased before, I want to enumerate the... Uh, item locations that having flippers can unlock you know by having the ability to to traverse deep water um you can you can get to these items these are flipper locked so we have uh the hobo uh, the under the bridge he has other names too do you guys know the other names for hobo that get thrown around sometimes not really he's uh, always been the hobo for me that one guy that has an <laughs> item it's like the Dunka tracker if you highlight over calls him something else oh really anyway. I, th I think he should be called the internet troll because he like lives under a bridge Oh, I like that. Yeah, Definitely something troll-related. Yeah, that's good. Fugitive um, under the bridge yeah. is fugitive. what the Dunka Tracker says. There you go. I like fugitive, too. I guess Those are that's both great. technically correct. I think in the original game he says he's a fugitive or he's, like, run away or something, right? I assume that's probably where it that's came a, from. That's the lore. deep lore. <laughs> <laughs> that deep ALTTP lore. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we have Hobo, uh, the Lake Hylia Island um, that you can get a glimpse at as long as you can swim. It's, uh, it's always nice to be able to cross that off early. Um, so that's one. But you have to have the flippers technically one to, second. to see that. If you yeah. jump into the water from the north, even if you don't have flippers, you can catch a glimpse before it teleports you back onto solid ground. Oh, okay. Good point. Good point. Um, to get it, though, you definitely, the game expects you to mm-hmm. have flippers, although, of course, we'll talk yeah, about for sure. ways to get around that. Um, so those two, uh, also Waterfall Cave, uh, Zora, of course, but that also technically is opened up by gloves as well, uh, gloves or flippers for that one. Zora Ledge, do need to have the flippers. Um, Swamp Palace, uh, to get in there, you would need to have the flippers, and there's six in there, as we all know. And same thing for Ice Palace. Um, and then uh, potentially flippers could lock your uh, East Dark World access um, after you kill Aga One, um, you know, flippers can be part of the equation to help you get across there. Um, yeah, and also the West Dark World access, because y- there is a situation in which you would need the flippers and the hookshot to get to the West Dark World. Yes, exactly. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, and then warp points, which we teased that also earlier. So I'm afraid I might have missed some warp points in my outline when I put this together, because I totally forgot about that little pond. Oh, I added. Uh, where a- does that even warp to? Uh, it, it's, oh, you put that in here. Yeah, I've, I've added it onto the outline, but it's it's oh, um, it it's used in the vanilla run. So you know the screen transition fake flipper that we all do to sequence break mm-hmm. to the Zora area. Well, if you go right after that screen transition, there's a whirlpool on that screen, which brings you to the Lost Woods area, and it's used mm-hmm. in the vanilla speed run because you can't save and quit in NMG. Uh, okay, that makes sense. All right. Now, speaking of use cases for these whirlpools, let's let's go back to the first one. Um, the uh, swamp area to North Hylia River area in Light World. Um, this is kind of the first chain. What would be a time that you would see somebody use that? Uh, well, I think the most common is if you're trying to turn in the mushroom, but you don't have the flute. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Take note, listeners. <laughs> All right, next one, uh, Lake Hylia to Waterfall of Wishing area in the light world. That one we see pretty often, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, if you're going to do your fake flippers checks, then you'd, like, check Hobo, you would see what's on the island, and then you would go in and maybe try to get the Waterfall Fairy Cave and yada yada. But even yeah. with flippers, you would do the same. That's that's probably the most commonly used one, I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep, and we covered the puddle uh, near Lost World, not Lost Woods that go to the southeast Lake Hylia. So the last one is Southeast Hyrule to the North Hylia River area in Dark World. Is there a use case for that? Uh, yeah, there is. Um, I mean, the, the biggest use case for that whirlpool is going to be an entrance randomizer, but it can be useful. Uh, I don't think it's ever required for anything, because yeah, because you can always just swim up just north because there's no bridge there. I'm sorry, I just have to go through my head. But in terms of why you would use it, uh, it might be useful to get back. I mean, I think it's going to be really fringe. If you ever if you ever use that glitch, it's going to be some really fringe use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I think that pretty much covers just about everything in terms of um, white hat swimming, as, as you know, to use an SEO term, uh, every, everything that's non-glitch related. Uh, is there anything else? Actually, I see, Kern, you've added one other note. Um, so let's touch on that. And then also, if anyone has anything else to mention about regular you know, water and swimming um, before we get to glitches, now's the time. 
Uh, yeah, the, the little note I added uh, is that it is actually possible to pump while swimming, just like you can pump while on the ground to um, to change, you know, the two pixel, one pixel, two pixel pattern. Mm -hmm. So you can do that while you swim, but in order for it to actually save you time, you would need to also be stroking. And, you know, optimal stroking requires one button input per frame. So to Which do is basically just mashing. Exactly. So to mash the stroke buttons and to pump is is ridiculous. <laughs> you need to be Goro from Mortal Kombat, is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, Dante, what's your experience trying to do that on the DDR pads? Is that difficult? Yeah, if I were to, you know, I, have, I don't even pump when I play on DDR pads because, God, that would just be obnoxious. <laughs> I would I'm, like I'm to visualizing see it now, though, and it's pretty incredible. Probably the only instance of pumping I'd actually enjoy watching. <laughs> Not even, and you wouldn't even to. wall pump Dante? Come on. It's free. I mean, it's free, but, you know, when you're trying to press A at the same time and it's on the opposite side of the pad. Uh, anyway. Yeah. That's... Quick quick question for for everyone uh, on this call right now. What do you guys use when you mash for swimming? What buttons? Uh, a and B almost exclusively. I kind of roll my thumb over them back and forth. I use B and A. It used to be kind of a rhythm, just kind of like, like almost like doing spin speed, but now I've kind of... It's a little easier after seeing Wadey and Jim at uh, Speed Gaming Live just kind of do the alternate tap. And mm -hmm. I went with the whole, well, if they're doing it, it's probably the right thing, so I'll do <laughs> right. it. They've put in the time and research to figure out which is best, so let's just do what they're doing. Yeah. For me, it depends, on, you, the, yeah, it depends on the screen. Like If it's if it's Lake Hylia and you have a lot of ground to cover, then I use uh, all three buttons. Mm -hmm. But other screens, I prefer... Um, a and Y, especially if my Y item like is like the bombs or something, which it usually is, so that it's not going to take time to play an animation if I accidentally am. Because there's always that moment where you're mashing, this, you're mashing the stroke buttons and then you touch shallow water and now you're standing. And if you're mashing B, then you like slash your sword or something. And that takes time. So I, I like to mash A and Y if I have the bomb selected. Interesting. Yeah, this happens that, that, to me a lot. Either that, or I start buffering a dash once I get to shallow land, and I have the boots. Um, I've for a long time I was just mashing A. I actually I don't even know if I knew that you could swim with the other buttons, and uh, you know found out. I think during the movement episode I was doing research for that and realized, and now I usually do A B. But that's the A Y point is is definitely a good point to make. Um, okay, now I think it's time to get into what I what I would kind of call the main attraction of this feature, and, and really the reason I'm most excited to have you on, Kern, is to help us understand some of these water glitches. Um, I think a lot of us know Fake Flipper, and we'll definitely get into that here in a second, but especially, you know, things like Water Walk and Splash Deletion and, um, you know, the, those sort of more advanced kind of tactics that help you sequence break in really interesting ways so I, I'm, I'm excited to get into so let's let's go ahead and start with fake flipper so if you could just kind of tell us you know what we're going to do for each of these is is kind of say three things what it does why it's useful and how to do it and okay sorry four <laughs> we, we've got a little extra so what it does why it's useful how to do it and when to do it um, so let's start with that with fake flipper kern um, what does fake flipper allow you to do uh, well, it, it allows you to swim. It just allows you to swim without having the, the flippers. Uh, mm -hmm. But it has some weird behavior, too. So uh, you can swim through shallow water, which is actually really useful for what you want to sequence break it for. Although sometimes it's 
it's a bummer that you swim through shallow water um, for certain sequence breaks. It, it will disable if you touch land, and also, it's really important, you don't want to be hit while in fake flippers. Uh, in vanilla, it could softlock you, potentially, and in rando, uh, it's been programmed to insta-kill you to avoid softlocks. Mm -hmm. um, so, what I guess next we want to cover why it's useful, you know, why you would want to uh, do a fake flipper when maybe you have other things that you could do. Yeah, I think that... Um, it's it's some it, for one reason it's just for navigation like you might not even use it for a sequence break although it can be useful for that as well but it might just help you get somewhere a little bit faster like in like Hylia for example uh, it's also really great among the other water glitches that we have available to us because it's almost always doable uh, there are lots of setups that don't require any items whatsoever so yeah th those are so the main reasons why it's great so speaking of those setups, um, let's let's go over you know the best ways to pull one off because I I think you know the the basic idea is like you want to do a screen transition the, the same frame that you like jump into the water or something like that and and most people can get it after multiple attempts but I'm really interested to hear these setups that you're talking about that are maybe a little more consistent than that. Yeah, um, well, the, there's like there's a few different types uh, of fake flippers or at least a few different ways that you might executed. The most famous one is the screen transition method. So the one most folks will be familiar with is the screen transition in the southeast of Lake Hylia, which in randomizer is used to sequence break Lake Hylia uh, items and also go to the Zora domain, but in the vanilla is also useful for navigation. Uh, so that how that works is, you know, um, you would line up either one or two pixels away from a screen transition. Most people think it's one pixel, but you can actually be two. And then you want to, uh, as soon as you hop in the water, be holding a directional button into the tr transition in order to transition the screen. There are other ways to do it, but that's the general method. Uh, I, th I think it's also useful to say for folks who are just learning these glitches or maybe know them and sometimes it doesn't work and they don't know why, is that you want to be holding a cardinal directional button into the transition. If you hold a diagonal, it sometimes won't work. So it'll it'll not work if you're two pixels away from the screen transition instead of one. So if you've ever like thought like, oh my god, I was lined up correctly and didn't work, it's probably because you were holding a diagonal into the transition. Interesting. So like while your sprite is doing the jump, change to holding a cardinal direction towards the screen. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while you're in midair. Yeah. And it's technically you want to be holding right on the first frame, but it would be a misnomer to say this is a first frame glitch. You have you have a huge window. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so that's the screen transition. Yeah, and there's a few of them. So, um, yeah, it may be useful to go over. Like, th that's the simple one. You're next to a mm -hmm. screen transition, and you just hold the directional. There's a few places you might do this. Um, another place is that whirlpool that's south of Link's house. So you might fake flipper there to, you know, try to get to the mushroom, turn in the mushroom quickly if you don't have the flute or the flippers. That's a very common oh. one. But they're interesting. Yeah, you've how you've got to be able to do that pretty quickly and consistently. I would imagine for the time to actually be saved, right? I think that you know the, your other method is to walk from the sanctuary, and that also takes a long time. So I think you could yeah. fail several times before it was a problem. But yeah, ideally, you'd want to do it quickly. Uh, interesting. So and there, I keep that one in mind. Yeah, and actually, my favorite way to do this. So a lot of the best runners, what they'll do is they'll kind of just slash their sword and sword buffer until they're lined up on the correct pixel. Um, what I do though is I drop a bomb 
pick it up, hold it over my head, and then I skip long lengthwise across the shallow water into the screen transition and the bomb will explode me into the transition. So that allows me to do that without sword buffering and you can do it all in one seamless motion. The only extra time you're taking is the time it takes you to pick up the bomb. I like it. That's very mm -hmm. clever. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, there's, um, and that actually brings up these other screen transition methods is that you can use bombs to push you into the screen transition. So that, that was an example of just aiding you with a, with a normal fake flipper, but that's how the, um, the eponymous jump, <laughs> I'm not going to say it, uh, uh, that jump that's in the North Dark World River Crossing, also known as fake floppers. Uh, hey, where did fake floppers come from? <laughs> it was something that cropped up last night uh, in the Racing Council channel, and uh, we're going to make an official motion to vote on that and get it renamed to fake floppers. <laughs> All right. It was so, it was so for, lovingly it, for folks who might not be aware. Of, I mean, you probably get it, but it, this is the Kern jump, so-called Kern jump, lovingly named. You by, so you did not name it, right? No. Someone else dubbed it the Kern jump. Yeah, yeah my my buddy Coy named it. <laughs> uh, he did like yeah. a. I I found it, you know, and it was like um, this kind of like rushed video that I made, and then he made a video that had a much better setup than I devised, and then he in that video he called it the Kern jump. Yeah, I just want to go on record right now and say if I ever discover any sort of useful glitch, I will name it the Tim glitch, and I <laughs> I have no shame about that whatsoever. <laughs> so you're, you're being very humble, and I, it's it's very I, I really appreciate what that. I what I got out of that is if Tim discovers a glitch, it's not going to be called the Go Most po Go Mode Podcast uh, skip. It's going to be the Tim skip. <laughs> Hell no! Yeah, what's up with that? I'm not giving you guys credit for my glitch. Kidding me? Ooh. Unless yeah, you help me find it. I don't think there's any shame in naming glitches after yourself. But actually, I was just talking with Koi about this today. The, the thing for me is that, like, I've, I, I think I've found a lot of setups and sequence breaks and stuff that I'm, much, I'm honestly much more proud of. And uh, so then it's just kind of, I don't know if it's frustrating is the right word, but it's just kind of funny to me that this is the one that everybody knows that I've done. And it's like the one that I did put the least effort into finding. Yeah, right? yeah, that is interesting. That's funny. Um, so let's wrap up our discussion on fake flipper um, and just kind of briefly talk about when you would want to do, you know, when it makes sense to, to use this glitch, kind of, you know, speaking to what you spoke to earlier about, you know, sometimes you learn a glitch and you want to do it just because it's new and you just learned it, but it's not quite the right time for it. What's the right time to fake flipper? Well, um, I'm going to choose my words carefully. So her. <laughs> okay doesn't kick me out of the hot tub here. <laughs> um, I th I, you know, personally, I think the right time to use it is every moment you get the chance because it's just so much fun. But in a race setting, the right time to use it is when it's going to improve your routing efficiency, which is a hard call to make. There's no obvious answer. And when you know for sure that there is an item that is sequence breakable with fake flippers, uh, so I think the common ones would be if you're going very early game to check the items in Lake Hylia and Zora's Domain or your sequence breaking to East or West Dark World. Um, and then also, like, if you're trying to turn in the mushroom quickly without the flippers or the flute, then you can also do that fake flipper. So th those are the things the most common. And one of the things we should touch on that we've maybe sort of taken for granted is um, the addition of the moon pearl into all this. Um, and maybe you can talk a little bit about why, because I've, I've never fully... I don't think known the reason for this, but 
if you want to fake flipper up to the north uh, area of Hyrule, you know, out just the screen outside of the Zora area, and collect the Waterfall of Wishing items, if you want to fake flipper, use the portal to get over there. That will not be checkable unless you have the Moon Pearl. So I would say that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, if you want to fake flipper and take the time. Do you have the 500 rupees for Zora? Do you have the Moon Pearl? Because if you don't have either of those, you won't be able to check those three spots. But, Kern, do you know why this the game behaves in this manner? Why you can't check those two items if you don't have the Moon Pearl? If you try to fake flipper? Uh, well, so this is a it's technically a water walk that it arms, and uh, the I th- I've had it described to me many times, but uh, it has something to do with when you enter an overworld screen the game will first check your moon pearl and to determine whether or not you should be Link or a bunny or whatever. And uh, that check can override the check to see if you should be swimming or not. So when you, the Waterfall Fairy Cave is the only cave that you can really do this out of because it's the only you know cave that connects to deep water. But there are actually other ways to swim outside of a cave. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's like weird glitch stuff that we don't need to talk about. <laughs> well, actually, so I think that's that's also a pretty good transition into talking about our next water glitch, which uh, in, you know, coincidentally enough is water walk. So what you're saying is that fake flipper when you go, you know, when you have the moon pearl and you go into that cave and back out and back in, that's actually technically a water walk because it allows you to walk on water. But it's it's a much easier way to arm it than, you know, what I think we're about to talk about. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. It's the easiest way to arm the water walk. So yeah, it, it's it's if you exit the cave while you're in fake, you know, you you'll enter the cave in fake flippers and you'll be swimming. So if you exit, you'll still be swimming. But if you have the moon pearl, it puts you in a water walk, which allows you to enter the cave again and walk on water. But yeah, the, gotcha. the water walk um, is an interesting state as well. It kind of like fake flipper. It has some gotchas that you need to be careful about. So it'll disable your water walk will disable if you touch land. If you touch shallow water while you have the flippers, which is kind of funny, um, if you bonk against something or you get hit by an enemy, uh, or if you are ejected from the water or like hop down a ledge, like if you're trying to go down a waterfall, then all those things can disable it. It's also really finicky because some setups, there are ways that you can arm the water walk, but then the the water walk gets disarmed before you can activate it. So it's, it's a kind of a finicky glitch. I see. Okay. Um, so why is the water walk useful? I think the most useful is going to be that waterfall fairy check. Uh, it can allow you to get the items there, but also just being able to walk or dash through Zora's domain is quite good. Um, and that, and speaking of dashing, so like, you know, one of the places you might arm it is the ice rod cave that could allow you to dash all the way across Lake Hylia, saving you a bunch of time. If you don't have the boots and you could arm it, which there are ways, as we mentioned earlier, it's faster to walk than it is to swim generally. So, um, that can also be quite good. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, how to do water walk. Obviously the moon pearl, you know, waterfall vision one is easy because it just works, but what are other ways to, uh, you know, actually walk on water in this game? The, uh, the other way is to interrupt your pitfall. And this, I can't remember exactly why it affects the water walk, but anyway, if, if you interrupt yourself falling into a pit, in, under certain conditions, then it will arm a walk on water state. And this is the one that's finicky that can get disarmed easily. But the most common one that you see is an interrupted pitfall with a dash. So for example, if you're in the ice rod cave and you're on like the screen that exits to the overworld, you can line up a dash 
while you're next to the pit and face south, and it will dash you outside of the cave. That'll arm a water walk, which you can activate by hopping southward off of a ledge. It has to specifically be southward. So that's the most common setup for it. This could allow you to dash through Lake Hylia. It can allow you to sequence break items. Uh, it can, if you do it from the dark world, you can activate it on a pit near Skullwoods, uh, which is the only, well, one of the only dark world pits available to you in order to get a water walk in the North River Crossing, uh, for instance, to get to the East Dark World, or most importantly, I think, to sequence break the item that is on the Hylia Island if you don't have the flippers, which is the only way you can sequence break that. Uh, I shouldn't say the only way, because there are other ways, but it's the, it's the easiest way. <laughs> it's the <laughs> easiest way you can sequence break that um, uh, because a fake flipper won't do it. You, you can't mirror uh, from shallow, you know, that shallow water area to the land because you can only mirror while you are standing. So fake flipper will have you swimming through the shallow water. So it's, um, yeah, that's a weird use case of it. Gotcha. Is this the kind of uh, glitch that you can arm and then use later? Or do you have to be on the screen with the water in order to make this work? Yeah, importantly, you can arm it and use later. You have to be careful, though. You don't want to hop down ledges. Um, I, th I, can't, I think getting hit doesn't disarm it. I forget all the ways it gets disarmed, but there are many. Um, mm. So you have to be careful. Also, going inside of caves and either pressing the left or the right button will disarm it. So this is really important because this is one of the ways that you can sequence break the Zora ledge is by chaining a interrupted pitfall via dashing water walk <laughs> with the water walk in the waterfall fairy cave or some other uh, water glitch. But you have to be careful because if you walk into the fairy cave, if you press left or right, it disables your armed pitfall water walk. It gets very complicated. <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. Um, so we, we're skipping around a little bit, which is totally fine. I just want to make sure we don't miss anything. What are, what are some other points about water walk that you want to make sure that our, our listeners hear? Well, I mean, I, I think, um, you have to stop me if I go too much down a rabbit hole. Cause, uh, I, I just love obscure tech, but another way that you can arm it that a lot, a lot of people know about is that you can also interrupt your pitfall by dying while you're falling in a pit and being revived by a fairy then holding a directional button to escape the pit. So this is useful if you don't have the boots, but you need a water walk for some reason. Um, that so, actually works. Like that, that's kind of, that thought is kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause like, I feel like half the stuff I quote unquote find other people have already found. They just didn't tell me about it. And this is one of them. I'm like, guys, don't you see that this is actually really useful? Why don't we have this documented anywhere? But yeah, it totally works. I've I've definitely seen there was a high profile race has uh, probably a couple tournaments back at this point where um, there was a fairy in a bottle that was found pretty prominently in like a sphere zero check and both runners were both very good I want to say it was like Andy and Pink Kitty Rose maybe uh, that could be totally wrong but they both had a uh, fairy in a bottle and they both uh, skipped Aga one by using this you know fairy revival water walk to get across um, to pod and like find stuff there I think something like that. Oh, um, you know what they probably did is I forgot to mention this earlier, but they probably did a fake flipper via fairy revival, which is different. 
Uh, okay. So what that involves is it involves dying while you're over deep water and then being revived by a fairy. That'll also skip the normal check of whether or not you have flippers and it'll revive you in a swimming state. So that doesn't require you to arm it on a pit or anything. You just have to like, for instance, one way to do it is you can hold a bomb over your head and then have it explode, you know, right around when you hop into the water. I think that's what they did. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty, to, to my point earlier, it was pretty damn cool to see like, you know, at a certain level, they both knew like this is the best way to make a sequence break that's going to save me a ton of time. And it, and it paid off for both of them. But like that, I think that's why you take the time to practice and learn and understand these sort of glitches so you can make those kind of decisions and potentially get some massive time saves every now and again, you know? Yeah, like I, I tend to meme with my with my sequence breaking or rather mm -hmm. I just sequence break because I can. But sure. there are situations like the race you're mentioning where it's just clearly better. You know, yeah. if you know this obscure tech, you will, you, you know, there are situations in which you will gain minutes over an opponent who does not. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Um, is there anything else? And I know some of, some of these glitches are going to get chained together. And I actually do want to single out um, one, you know, uh, later on. But is there anything else specifically about water walking we want to mention? I think I think I've covered the main points. Thorough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that being said, let's move on to our next one, um, which I'm not ashamed to say I know nothing about. So I'm very lo much looking forward to learning <laughs> Splash Deletion. Yeah. So I, I want to give a shout out to the new um there's a new if you guys don't know this yet a new randomizer wiki that um so glad exists now because we've had many like minor glitches compendiums that have been google docs and blah 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 but finally we mm -hmm. have an actual wiki so uh, there's a great page on that that goes over splash delete how it works and all the item combinations but essentially um how it works is you um you need to have i think it's five ancilla slots filled and when you have five Ansela slots filled and you try to hop in the water, then the splash animation doesn't play. The splash animation is the same thing that checks whether or not you have the flippers and are supposed to be swimming right now. So by overloading the Ansela, you're like, you're allowing yourself to do a fake flipper. So it is a fake flipper. I think that's important to mention. It is just another fake flipper method, but it's a unique one. Um, I didn't realize we had an ALTTPR uh, wiki. That is very, very cool. We'll put a link to that in the description. It looks like it's in its uh, opening stages still. There's not a lot of info on it, but I'm sure it will get filled up soon. Yeah, we're right. we're still filling it with content. Shouts out to, to uh, Trinex and also Mike, who uh, are the main contributors and owners of this wiki. Awesome. That's beautiful. Um, all right, so going back to Splash Deletion, let's continue on in our uh, in our outline here. What's next? Uh, the next glitch is uh, Diver Down. Um, Wait, did we, did we say everything about Splash Deletion that, that we need to say? Oh yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Let's 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 get into the nitty gritty. This is my. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love yeah, yeah. this. Okay, wasn't sure if you <laughs> wanted to move on or not, but yeah. Okay, let's get into deets. So um, there's a lot of ways to fill the Ansela slots. I would suggest people check out the wiki because there are a lot. But the most common, the two most common are, you can shoot three arrows into a wall and drop two bombs and then hop in the water. Depending on where you do this, the timing can be tight. So I do suggest practicing it. Um, the other common one is you can put down a cane of Samaria block, place two bombs and use a red boomerang. So the red boomerang, I think fills two Ancela slots, one for the boomerang itself and then one for the glowy effect. So there, it, I mean, it just depends on what items you have. You could use ice rod, you can use bombs, you can use a blue boom, boomerang as well, I believe. Uh, you can explode a cane of Samaria block, use the flying bolts. There's, there's so many combinations. 
And this is one of those situations where like having an understanding of why the glitch works is maybe more useful than understanding just two or three of the setups because then you can improvise. Um, and the, the most, the reason it's most useful, I would say is sequence breaking the Zora ledge item. So if you are in a water walk state, then you can get right up to the edge of that waterfall. In fact, I don't even think you need to be in a water walk. Um, you can just do it from the shallow water up there. Yeah. This is the one that I wanted to kind of highlight. Um, cause I, the, to me, like the Zora, Zora river ledge is the one item where I think, you know, if you know how to fake flipper, which is not too hard to learn, and you have a moon pearl and 500 rupees, you can get, like, all of these things in this area and in the Zora area, except for that. So I think it would be worth it to maybe kind of outline maybe just the most common way that you can use all of these glitches, you know, um, together in order to be able to collect that Zora River ledge item. Yeah, and actually, I'm. this is where I'm a little bit sad about Splash Deletion because there's all sorts of cool tech that Splash Deletion, for the most part, makes obsolete. Uh, but it depends on what items you have. So the most common way is to Splash Delete your way there. So one way is you want to kind of line up a little bit closer to the wall than perfectly centered on that shallow water tile. Uh, this is to reduce the distance your arrows have to fly to hit the wall. You can't shoot a second arrow while your first arrow is still flying through the air. So if you're closer to the wall, that allows you to shoot faster. So you need to shoot three arrows and drop two bombs before any of the arrows start to despawn, and then you need to hop off of the waterfall. And the timing's a little tight. I do suggest you practice that one. So that's one way. Um, if you're using splash delete, you you know again check out the wiki. There are many item combos, but there are actually other ways that you can sequence break the ledge. Like if you don't have the correct Y items to be able to fill the Ansel slots. So one is chained water walks. So you could arm a water walk in Ishrod Cave, and then activate a water walk in the Waterfall Fairy Cave, then walk through Zora's domain, hop off the ledge, which then activates the armed pitfall water walk. <laughs> It's just kind of convoluted. But that's I, the one that I I was aware of but didn't know how to do from before. And you're saying that is sort of uh replaced by splash deletion. I think in many situations it is, but okay. it will depend on what I why items you have. I have used it actually in a couple of races in which I didn't have like the Cane of Samaria and the arrows, for example, to, oh, okay. to to be able to use other methods. Um, that makes sense. But there are actually several combinations. One of the most ridiculous uh, is you can actually fake flipper all the way through Zora's domain, which is very difficult to do, and then hop off of the waterfall with an armed water walk glitch, activating it when you hop off. That might be required if you don't have the moon pearl, for example, to get the water walk in Waterfall Fairy Cave. But uh, I digress. There's there it, there's a bunch of combinations. If you're interested in all of them, I have this like hour and a half long movie <laughs> about all the water walk tech that you can check out. We will definitely <laughs> link that in the description. That's a no brainer. Um, I and, like and, that and, you and, called yeah. it a movie instead of a video. <laughs> yeah, it's ninety minutes long. I mean, it has a whole arc. Yeah. You know, it has an intro and then like a middle part, and then the villain kind of gets the upper hand. That's fantastic. It's got a great hero's <laughs> journey. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, Kern, I wanna I wanna take a moment to highlight this sentence that you've written in our outline. I'm just I'm just gonna read the whole thing out loud because I think it's one of the most buckwild sentences I've ever read. Koi's early splash delete to hobo meta. What is that? <laughs> like that just sounds crazy. Like I I can sort of make out you know Koi is a person. Splash delete is a glitch. Uh, I know hobo, but like 
all of those words said together just sound like I'm speaking a foreign language. Well, that's really why I wrote it is just to look cool. Like I know all these buzzwords. <laughs> no, but uh, Koi, uh, he is, you know, among his viewership, he's really famous for this new meta. Uh, he was a big fan and proponent of Splash Delete, made a video on it like right away. And he started using it to, you know, if you get an early enough bow, then before you've even checked any other like Hylia locations, like you haven't done South Shore yet, you could use the bow and bombs, for example, in combination to hop into Lake Hylia from the north side, where Herf was talking about you could normally, you know, just get eyes on what was on the Hylia island. Uh, Hylia island. Mm -hmm. So if you do the splash deletion there, then that allows you to fake flipper over to Hobo. And you could also then chain that with fake flipping back out too and then checking other like Hylia items. But it's, it's really interesting because it it's not slower if you're going to do the south shore checks anyway and the fake flipper stuff anyway go to zora's domain it could even save you time because you don't have to backtrack all the way back across like highly you just save and quit from the hobo and also if there's anything at all useful there you've pretty much guaranteed you're the first person to have found that progressive item it takes a long time to swim over there the normal way exactly yeah yeah interesting i'll have to check that out um, and then the last thing we'll say about Splash Deletion, you have a sequence break to East or West Dark World in certain uh, yeah. situations. This sounds pretty useful. Yeah, so, um, it, I mean, it's the same as the fake flipper applications. So I, I didn't mention this before, but, you know, we talked about how the flippers might be required to get to either the West Dark World or the East Dark World. And Splash Deletion is just one method to arm a fake flipper. There are myriad of ways to sequence break those flipper requirements, um, but yeah, this is this is just another one that you can use. Gotcha. All right, so that's that actually is pretty much it for uh, water glitches. I think that have you know wide appeal and usage. Um, there is one more that I want to go over somewhat briefly because uh, it's in kind of a weird limbo state as we record this episode, and that's diver down. Um, it's, it was discovered right after Icebreaker and is kind of being considered at the same time um, within the ALTTPR uh, Racing Council, if it's going to even be legal or not. Um, but Kern, if you could kind of briefly explain what Diver Down is, um, kind of give the general you know notes about it, then maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, whether we think it should or shouldn't be, be included, just kind of for fun. Yeah, so um, this is a sequence break that applies in Swamp Palace. And Diver Down allows you to basically, it looks like a walk on water, but it's not. It's a very different glitch. Uh, but it allows you to walk on the bottom layer when the, the water is flooded. So, for example, you know, when you're in that opening entrance area and you've flipped the dam switch and stuff, if the water's flooded, you normally have to swim through it. Well, using Diver Down, you can walk on the bottom layer. The... This might seem like, oh, great, we can break Swamp Palace in half now, but you can't. Um, in fact, there are plenty of ways to do stuff that's similar. The issue is, is that it doesn't allow you to walk on the top layer, which then would allow you to, you know, there's those there's those kind of like cut off diving boards, you know what I'm mm -hmm. talking about in Swamp? Yeah. That yeah. Are kind of only go halfway down. Well, yeah, you won't be able to get the, go those because there's like a wall in your way, just as if you were walking on the bottom layer. I gotcha. So it, it's most useful in the backside of Swamp where you would normally have to like do the statue trick to mm -hmm. open the door. Well, instead of doing that, using this glitch, you could go to the door all the way to the right, uh, walk down the stairwell, 
and you know that room is ordinarily flooded and you can't go any further but using this glitch you can now walk on the bottom layer check the chests and move on through the rest of the dungeon that's one of the two rooms where it's useful okay I mean, so it does seem like it'd be pretty much a guaranteed time save every time. Now, you've also notated there are a couple other places in Swamp Palace you can use it as well. Yeah, the other one is uh, on the left side, actually. Uh, you can intentionally flood the key if you have the hookshot to get the first key in the main hub room. Uh, you can intentionally flood the key, flip the crystal switch back to blue. Ordinarily, you'd leave it red, walk south, get the key, walk back up, flip the switch back, yada yada, flood the flood the room, whatever. This time, mm -hmm. you just go through the door, flood the key, flip the switch back to blue, walk all the way back around, and now do diver down to be on the bottom layer, go up, pick up the key under the pot that's under the water that you flooded, and then come back out to reactivate a normal swim state to check the rest of the left side of swamp. So that would save you basically a round trip back to the crystal switch. There, so it doesn't it doesn't break swamp in half, but it does render all of the like mini puzzles inside of Swamp Palace useless. Well, it it I think mostly what it does is it uh, reduces backtracking. I see. I would mm -hmm. say that's yeah, how yeah, I yeah. see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so real quick, um, it, this is sort of tough. We don't want to give like a in depth guide in case it does you know get disallowed by the racing council because then it would kind of be like what's the point? Like our hints episode. Um, but could you maybe sort of, uh, just kind of to your best of your ability, kind of sum up uh, how one would do Diver Down and then we can talk about its legality. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually do want to say that I think it is important, even if it doesn't become allowed, that folks try this out. So, um, because it'll inform your decision about whether or not you think it should be legal. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, how you do it is you, there, there are two tiles in front of the normal stair that allow you to go into the water. Those two tiles, if the water is flooded, will check whether or not you have the flippers when you touch them. And if you do, you'll be in a swimming state. So this glitch works by by being able to get into that flooded water area without touching those two tiles in front of the stairwell. Um, this, this method uses a rail clip to do that. Theoretically, there could be other ways. Like perhaps if you could get in a, a big enough jump to bypass those tiles, maybe that would also work. So uh, how you want to do this is you, the, the screens in which you do this on, it's always a stairwell that's going into the water that's facing north. So you want to line up on the rail, the north rail that's next to that stairwell. Uh, that'll set your um, Y position. Then you want to place a Samaria block slightly to the right of the stairs, um, which there's a big margin for that placement, but basically you want to not nudge the block as you hop into the water but also not too far to the right that it's not going to allow the glitch to work. But So I would suggest practicing this, but it's a big margin. Uh, then you hop in the water from there with the Samaria block placed, and you swim a little bit to the right until you're like swimming up against a wall facing south. Uh, then you hold left and down, and you do that until you hop out of the water. So this will line up your X and Y position appropriately uh, next to the Samaria block. And as you're in the air hopping out of the water, you want to release all D buttons, then hold right uh, and slash your sword to like sword buffer as you hold right. Uh, this will like kind of push you up against the Samaria block and you won't move anymore. So that's good. You know, there's not like huge timing requirements here on this glitch. It's actually pretty easy to do. It's just a sequence of inputs you got to memorize. So now you're holding right. 
you, when you've slashed your sword to sword buffer, you should also hold the B button. So hold your sword charge out. And you're like holding right into the block. Now you just need to press up and right diagonally. And Link will kind of like shimmy his way between the Samaria block and the rail until you've clipped into the rail. And if you keep holding right and up and holding your sword charge, you'll eventually just hop into the water. Or, or hop into what should be the water, but now is instead the bottom layer that you're walking on. Right. Um, so do you see any reason why this glitch should not be allowed by the racing council? I mean, I, I think that um, the question of glitch legality uh, is a complicated one. But I, I think that the the thing to consider with glitch legality is how does it affect the race and is it fun or not? But I think those are, for me, would be like the two most important questions to ask. And in this mm -hmm. case, it eliminates irritating backtracking. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, what's not to love about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I would tend to agree with that. And as you were explaining how to do it, it's not like, you know, it doesn't ring of any like OWG stuff to me. You know, like I'm not hearing anything that sounds, you know, like you're messing with the code of the game or anything. You know, like it's not doesn't sound too bad. Um, Dante, you can recuse yourself from this convo if you want to. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll put my two cents in I mean, okay. right now. And let's let's be I'll, I'll be clear. I learned this glitch last night and I've actually been practicing it a lot, um, mainly because it's allowed in RMG and I'm trying to improve that. But. It it still feels kind of odd to me. I, I've always had a weird feeling about going out of bounds, um, you know, when it's not designed for that. And it's technically inbound, so it's like a real big gray area. But it just feels weird watching Link walk on water in that regard and then walk through doors on a different layer or what feels like a different layer. And uh, I, I, I don't like it for NMG, personally, but I... It, you know that that's that's just my personal taste, I guess. Uh, I don't really think it does anything to break the game, uh, you know, or turn the game upside down and change the entire meta. So that's you know that's that's one thing. But personally, I I think it's a nice little a little time save trick. Okay, what about you, Herf? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really messed around with it to be honest. I've seen it a couple of times and it looks kind of crazy to me. That's really the most you know, professional statement I can make about it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know what they're going to decide. Uh, I don't want to be in their shoes, as Dante used to say. So uh, no, I, I still guess. don't want to be in their shoes. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm you know, going to do what you got to do. Now I get to say it. Uh, yeah. I I don't I don't really know. I don't think it's that big of a deal in Rando. I don't think it's going to, you know, cause massive problems. But I feel like it might be a little too new to really grasp the whole, you know, range of possibilities it might open up in other places, possibly. Yeah. We could well, just yeah, we'll, ban the we'll King see. of Samaria, and then everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that'll that'll make it where no one has to ever look for medallions again, and yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, I'm good with that. Let's map the King of Samaria block to, like, uh a Street Fighter 2 Hadouken, just like do that <laughs> motion, and then you'll get a cane of Samaria block. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so cool. <laughs> Is that kind of like a, it'll be like an Easter egg, kind of like the uh, Mega Man X exactly. you know, crossover mm -hmm. thing, yeah. Yeah, 
Let's let's give it a try. <laughs> yeah, but you only get it if you collect all the hearts. You have to have twenty hearts to use it. Oh no! Then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I just want to chime in here. Like I think in terms of slippery slope, um, icebreaker might have more consequences than diver down, because oh, essentially, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it, I mean, it's I, to me, it just seems like all it really is is a new method of performing a rail clip, which are which is already allowed, uh, mm-hmm. rail, or rail clips in general. And the only other unique aspect of the glitch is the fact that it's a way to bypass those two tiles in front of the stair. So. But but precedent shouldn't be the only reason that we consider a glitch's legality. I just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, so in terms of water physics and glitches, I think we've been pretty thorough and, and covered everything pretty well. But before we uh, move on to what's next, does anyone have anything else they'd like to say on the topic of water in ALTTPR um, at all? Remove water in the game's better. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> you think so? I'm not a big fan of water in this game. That's really all I have to say. It's thankfully, as we've said in the beginning, not very abundant. Mm-hmm. But if I could finish the whole game without having to swim, I'd be totally fine with that. I would totally love a mode where maybe we had blue boots and the water was all ice. Uh, yeah, that that would be real fun if we had that. <laughs> Somebody should make one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, way to kill but the no, conversation. I mean, water, water is great, but um, I, I, yeah, it's just it, it's it's like Kern was saying through this whole conversation. There's just so many crazy things you can do with this, and mm-hmm. uh, it's important. I mean, the the glitches to kind of get that uh, water walk state. I wanted to say this earlier, but the uh, the glitches to get that water walk state actually was something that came up early in my own rando career, if you want to call it that. There was a like the standard weekly on Saturday, and then there was this huge wave of finishers, and then six minutes later there was a huge wave of another set of finishers, and I was in the second set, and then those were the two waves of who skipped Aga one and who did Aga yeah. one, yeah. and it all came down to you know who knew how to do the Skull Woods trick with the boots, and I think this was before the Kern jump was really popular or known about, so uh, that was like the only way at the time, but yeah, it's uh, water's crazy. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, the boots and then the the ferry in a bottle that Tim mentioned earlier would would probably be the only two ways. To yep, skip yep. it. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think I think we can uh, move on. Kern, thank you so much for dropping by and uh, helping us out with all that info. It's really been a pleasure having you. My pleasure. Can't wait to tell my mom to tune in and uh, show her how famous I am. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, next up, we were going to uh, go over some fetch questions and wrap the show up. Would you like to join us? Uh, sure. I mean, you're in my right. hot tub, so I can't really, you know, not join you. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have uh, some towels we can borrow? Uh, it's kind of a bring-your-own-towel situation. In you house. didn't bring a towel, Tim? I well, didn't know we were going to be doing this. You it was knew we were crashing sort of his hot tub. I mean, come on. All right, well... We'll, uh, we'll dry off. Maybe I'll just like shake around a lot or something, and then uh, we can do some of these fetch questions. That'll work. Sounds good. Howling down. All right, so we have three fetch questions this time um, from two different folks. The first one, uh, as promised last time, is a holdover that we didn't get to in the last episode, and this is a fetch question from Nereza, who asks... Hi, long-time listener. You guys have been making long, boring drives a lot more tolerable, so thanks a lot. 
Anyway, I've been recently playing Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets, and I can't help but think it'd make an amazing April Fool's festive randomizer, since it's so much easier on execution, but just so full of possible item checks. I think more than LTTP, and it's just so slightly off from regular LTTP that it feels weird as an LTTP player to play. Have any of you played it? What would you think about it being randomized? Thanks again for being so great. And that was from Nereza. So Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets. Um, I was not even aware of this title until I, you know, looked it up after getting this email. But uh, Dante, I, I posed this question to you and you were familiar. Can you tell us what Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets is? Yeah, so what I understand of it, it was for this, I think it's some satellite internet type situation they had with the Super Nintendo. Uh, I think this game technically was in 1995, and it was an official Nintendo thing, but it was only officially in Japan. So uh, it, it was like, uh, I think it was uh, four parts, and you had either one or two weeks, to, like one or two weeks to play each part. And after that, you were kind of not so much locked out of the first part, but you were thrust into the second part. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's been fully translated now into four separate ROMs, and you can, uh, I guess, acquire those, we'll say. But uh, it, it's kind of weird playing it. I, I've actually been playing it myself, and I'm getting ready to... It, it's been kind of spaced out, and I'm not really streaming it, but... I'm getting ready, getting ready to start part three. Uh, the way that kind of works is you have to play part one, and when you want to be done, you have to like cut it off, re rename your save file to like the ROM name for number two, and then boot that up, and it'll read your save file. So it, it's cool how that works, but at the same time, it, it is weird. The dungeons seem easier yet harder, and as far as it being randomized... I would be terrible at that because I'm not really. I'm still kind of exploring, trying to figure out where everything is. Uh -huh. But the best, the best feature from that game is literally while you are holding A, you dash with the boots. Uh -huh. If you let go of A, you stop dashing. Ooh, nice! You can still <laughs> hover, which is fantastic. Uh, and then on top of that, while you're holding A to dash, you can change directions. So you can literally just kind of dash in circles if you want to, you know, look kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it, that's like the best like mechanic ever because while when I play it and I go back to playing rando, I'm like, oh yeah, I can't do that no more. So it's <laughs> so it it, be, it's fun. It's similar enough to it sounds like to link to the past to like be almost kind of be confusing when you switch between the two. Then I guess, huh? It would be if it was kind of a full open world. Uh, I mean, I advise you to kind of look up videos, you know, if, if yeah. like listeners are curious as to this, like what it is. But um, it, it, you are kind of locked to one specific area. So they would have to do some, I mean, I'm sure they could, but to make it a randomizer, they would have to open up all four parts into one ROM. And with the things we've seen happen with ALTTPR, I'm pretty sure it could be done. But the question is, do they want to do it? Not 100% sure on that. I'm going to say the the interest in it would probably be a little low mm -hmm. um, from the devs, but I could be wrong on that. I'm kind of just speaking off the cuff there. Kern, have, have you ever heard of this title? Yeah, I actually didn't make the connection that that's what it was, but I definitely heard of this like live broadcast satellite SNES mm -hmm. Zelda game before. Um, I, I would imagine yeah. like it could either be 
easy to take the work we've done with the randomizer and apply to it because I, ma I imagine they use like some of the same memory addresses and stuff. Formulas and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I could also imagine it would be like incredibly very difficult. You know, so yeah, you, you don't I know think, until you crack it open. Uh, I think from what I remember, it, it, they also had like as Kurt was alluding to this kind of like live radio play going on while these things were going out the first time or something. Uh, I, I think I read about this. I might be mixing it up with something else Zelda-related that came out on that Satellog View, I think hmm. it was called. But I think there were, were like, timed cutscenes and stuff where you had to listen to the radio play, and it would show, like, it, they would voice the characters, essentially. Oh, yeah. Wow. Nintendo's, like, so far ahead of their time. It doesn't yeah, always it was, work out in their favor, as we see from this one, because mm -hmm. I guess, you know, it didn't really take off or anything, but it sounds very much like something they might try to do today, you know, it, it, with obviously in an updated way, but... It, it sounded yeah. pretty cool from, from what I've seen. I've never personally played it, and as far as randomizing it goes, uh, since, as Dante was saying, it's kind of split up into four parts, I feel like that would be a little difficult, because you'd either have to randomize each part separately... Or, like, select one of the parts and randomize that and keep it to, like, one of the four parts. You know, it, it might be a little weird. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's a very interesting uh, topic. And I'm definitely going to go see if I can find some videos or maybe even acquire a ROM of Zelda Ancient Stone tablets. It's very cool. Uh, thank you for the question, Nereza. Um, our other two fetch questions are both from uh, Brushy Sunshine. So I'll, we'll pause in the middle to handle these. But... Um, this email starts, Hey fellows, I don't know if you were looking for more fetch questions, but I thought I'd write in with two that I had while watching a race. Number one, what do you think about the idea of randomizing which rooms in a dungeon are dark rooms? It might make for some interesting choices and gameplay. It would make getting the lamp more important and could still create some odd obstacles, even a dark boss fight. I don't even know if it's possible, but just as a thought experiment, what would be the pros and cons? Then he says, I'm sure Herfie thinks it's a terrible <laughs> idea. That was part of the email. Herfie, that's, that's how people view you. I just want you to be aware of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, he's right. It's a terrible idea. Just, so we can move on from that, I think. <laughs> so uh, let's start with you then, Herf. Uh, what do you think of this idea of randomized darkrooms? I mean, I, I think it's an interesting idea, but I think it would require a lot of logic gates that would be incredibly time-consuming at the very least to include into the randomizer. Hmm. Pretty much just every dungeon would be lamp-locked. I mean, not necessarily. If you, it depends on what exactly they mean with randomize the dark rooms. So, are we just randomizing if a room in the dungeon is dark or not? Is it like I a think, fifty-fifty yeah. chance? Okay, that's that's how I interpreted it. Because like I interpreted it as if a dungeon has a dark room or a potential dark room, it can be moved to like another room can instead then be dark. Interesting. Yeah, let's say for the sake of this um, discussion, let's say like every single dungeon room has a 50-50 chance of being dark or not. Yeah, that's awful. Stop it. <laughs> that's Stop just it. plain. That's just plain. Like, that's no. Who thinks of that? That's it awful. would be really hard. I, I, do, I like your idea of shuffling. Idea. 
Yeah, your idea of shuffling it keeps it a little more fair, and it's like not every single dungeon is just like almost <laughs> yeah. unplayable. And I mean, yeah. there, there's plenty of dungeons that do have dark rooms. Even some of them you don't even ever see in a rando run or something, you know. So it's not like sure. there wouldn't be enough. So my question with it being a fifty-fifty dark room, Tim, since you said that, yeah, uh huh, is it fifty-fifty? Like, say some bushes and rocks are 50-50 bomb drops? Like, is it that type of 50-50 where you walk out and you walk back in and suddenly it's lit up? <laughs> oh. Because that could that could be really funny, you know, especially when that RNG isn't seated, you know, and someone's trying to get a room to be light for 20 times, like 20 screen transitions while the first person gets it, you know, oh, in one boy. shot. <laughs> I mean, does that sound good to you? Like, I don't think that sounds good at the go. No. Suck. <laughs> no, I think it would be like a coin... It'd be like a coin flip at the beginning at the generation of the seed. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Um, I, I I like you know I I, I think that what I described the fifty fifty is terrible. Um, as as her for greed. Uh, yeah. but I you know I think it could be cool if there was a little bit more because right now we just have the set amount of dark rooms you know and and we memorize them or learn them or or avoid learning them or whatever the case is. But um, <laughs> yeah, the ultimate. Yeah. The ultimate answer for this, and I think, you know, is is kind of asking a question. Tim, would you want the turtle rock pegs randomized? Yeah, it, it's that kind of question. <laughs> oh, it's like everyone like, knows. No, no, I wasn't saying yes to that. Obviously, oh, okay. no. I definitely okay. don't want it. It's, it's a matter of picking which, what is it still fun to randomize and what is too tedious to randomize? I don't know. I, know? I, I think I would be a fan of the idea, especially if it was like, you know, let's say that there are 15 super tiles that are dark in the current... I don't actually know the number, but let's say there's 15. Yeah. This is kind of like what Herf suggested. And then now there are going to be 15 different super tiles. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be a huge fan of that. Um, I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, when you grind dark rooms, I find that really rewarding uh, personally. And it's a little bit of a bummer, honestly, that there aren't more for me because I just have so much fun. Um, but I'm also... I would agree with that. I'm also like getting ready right now to do a blindfolded randomizer run. So um, maybe this is just for the weirdos. I don't know. I forgot about that. I knew you were doing that, but I didn't even make that connection with this question. You're like the perfect person for this question. (laughs) You're like probably the only person we could rely on to say, yeah, sounds good. Good idea. (laughs) Can't wait. When are you making it? (laughs) Yeah. As soon as this comes out, you'll just feel like smoking everybody because you've been practicing it way longer than the rest of us. I mean, just Um, as a last like little suggestion for anyone who's interested in something kind of like that, anyone uh, feel free to play a blackout seed and then get back at me is that pretty much what that is yeah i mean it's kind of what that is a blackout seed is essentially it depends on how blackout you want it to be you can either have everything be dark like even the overworld or you can just have every dungeon room be dark and there's also no way to light them up you only see the enemies in yourself i gotcha that sounds like a lot of fun i didn't even know that existed yeah, I think it's, like, not officially supported, but there's ways to get, like, a Blackout Room. I remember Ak playing a Blackout Seed at some point. That actually sounds pretty easy to make. As someone who doesn't know, like, anything about coding, you would basically just, like, turn off a, a background layer. Yeah, um, essentially, yeah. you're just turning off the layers, more or less. Yeah. Hmm. Um, all right, well, let's let's address uh, Brushy Sunshine's second question. Um, what are some of your best slash worst ideas for making the compass and map items more important or interesting? 
It doesn't have to be a realistic thing, but what are some out-of-the-box ideas you have come up with? Maybe in map slash compass shuffle, the dungeon is locked until you get the compass, or maybe all the rooms are dark until you get the map. What could make the compass or map more than a shrug? Uh, so I thought this is a really interesting question. I've, I've often wondered this. You know, when I first started playing, um, you know, I, 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 it struck me as weird that there's basically just trash items in each dungeon. It was like, well, it, it'd kind of be cool if the map and compass had, like, implications in, in randomizer. And I know in some modes it does. So let's actually start there because I'm not super clear on it. I'm going to just pass this over to one of you guys. What sort of things can the map and compass do in other modes? So... <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna no, grab let this. Let her do it. Let her do it. I I have to say this question. I read this earlier while skimming through the outline before we started recording. I think this is also, as you said, a very interesting question. But to me personally, it might be one of the hardest random questions to answer. To be honest, because how do you make those items interesting? I super like what they're currently doing. To get back to your original question, mm -hmm. which is. Um, if you have a compass in, uh, say, well, Key Sanity is probably the easiest example, uh, the compasses will tell you how many chests you've opened in a dungeon. They'll display like a little, you know, counter at the top, zero out of, I don't know, 12, 16, whatever number of, uh, you know, items are in the dungeon. And uh, whenever you pick one up, be it a good one or a bad one, uh, it'll count up and then you'll know, okay, I full cleared the dungeon or I forgot something or whatever. Unfortunately, in practice, it's kind of useless because most people know how many items or chests a dungeon has and where they want to go and if they want to skip one or not. So, yeah. Um, on the other hand, the maps are more useful because without, um, without uh, the maps the actual overworld map won't tell you if a dungeon is a crystal or a pendant and usually the music is randomized as well so without the maps there's no way of knowing other than you know killing the boss and then seeing what drops basically did it used to be or maybe it even still is this way that easy mode would also have that functionality for the I compass? i believe so yeah it did easy mode used to have the function of the compass it, it's kind of gone now with v31 but uh yeah it, it definitely had it because mm -hmm. I think my very first seed that was happening, it was counting the checks, and I was like, "Oh, that's very helpful." Because I don't, I have no idea how many items are in each dungeon. You know, when I first started playing, mm -hmm. um, so I do like that. And then I tried a normal seed, and I was like, "Hey, where'd it go?" <laughs> um, so I, I like that as an idea. But to your point, most people who play on a regular basis already know, you know, kind of where all the items are in each dungeon, so it's not as useful. Uh, I do like, you know, to wrap this back around to Brushy's first question about you know the dark rooms it would be a cool uh, you know it would be kind of a cool application to use alongside that you know where if you found the compass now all the dark rooms in that dungeon are now navigable you know that could be something mm -hmm. that'd be kind of cool i think what i would like just to really quickly get back to an actual idea that just came to me i'd like it if in say a key sanity mode the compass uh gave you like say an audible beep when you're on the super tile or the screen that has the big key for the dungeon that you have the compass for. Does that make sense? So you mean kind of pulling from Link's Awakening, that, mm -hmm. that, that function. I mean, that would be cool. Um, it would change the meta a lot. It definitely I, I would. It would. I don't know if it would be overpowered. That's, that's kind of the thing is that there was a discussion in a few streams I was hopping around. This was probably a month ago, and they were discussing how you know chat was discussing with them how you could 
make the compass and the map more viable. And everything people were suggesting seemed overpowered. But what you just suggested, I think... I don't really think it would be too... Like, it wouldn't be too OP where if you find that first, then the rest of the dungeon's too easy, so to speak. Well, plus, you wouldn't exactly know which B key it is. Say you find, like, three compasses strewn about the world, and then you walk into a screen and it starts beeping. You know there's a big key for one of those three, but you don't know if it's the one that you need right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I had that... It's, like, kind of a similar thought in terms of the maps and compasses telling you where something is, that, like... If the map or compass or something, because one of the things about maps and compasses is that maps are not useful in randomizer at all, except for mm-hmm. to check the overworld map screen to see, you know, what the crystals are. But yeah. if you're in a dungeon, you never want to press the Y button. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what would be cool is to make that useful somehow. So like if the maps in the dungeons, if you had the map and or compass or something, if it highlighted for you which chests had... Um, like, oh. like unique items. I forget what you what they call it in the random. They don't call it progressive items. They call them important items. Important or items. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you like you know okay well these other chests are like bombs and arrows and rupees and whatever and then it can change your routing. So it like gives you a hint about the item layout of the dungeon a little bit. Exactly. Like what you can avoid or if the if if the if it's not map compass shuffle and there's default then it can even show you which chests are vanilla dungeon items and which are from the item pool. So that would be another option. I like that a lot. That'd yeah, really I like cool. that idea. Yeah. That would be interesting for sure. Uh, I want to kind of like backtrack for 2 seconds kind of what on what Herf was saying about the, you know, like functionality as it stands right now. And I know that we were talking for different modes and such, but right now, if you play um, the door shuffle rando, it's very important to have the compass and see how many chests are in your dungeon. Uh, you know, you can sequence break chests and kind of, you know, jump gaps, bomb jumps, obviously not being technically in logic. But, you know, sometimes if you get to a different door, the game may not intend you to get there with the way the cross dun- like cross dungeon shuffle stuff goes. And uh, I've just noticed, like, you could walk into one place and see, you know, 25 chests, and you're thinking, oh, well, this must be Ganon's Tower. And then you find out it's just a really, you know, big misery mire that, (laughs) you know, you just shuffle around almost every dungeon to get at least one chest. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. Um, Yeah, that is cool. Um, So, and then Brushy uh, finishes out the email. Thanks again for the great podcast. It always goes to to the top of my queue. Um, And I like those questions so much. I'm going to take a moment to uh, plug Brushy Sunshine's podcast. They put a link in their email, podmusical.com. I went and checked it out. Um, It is very, very impressive. Very good. Uh, It's really funny. It's like a musical in podcast format. It's been going on for a few years. Um, Very highly rated and... um, yeah, just very, very impressive work. So, and it's it's uh, very humbling that someone who has such a well put together podcast is is listening to this. Uh, so I I really appreciate it and uh, thank you very much, Brushy, for the questions. And uh, if you listening have any fetch questions for us and our guests, you can send those to email at gomodepodcast.com. and you can also use the contact form on our website. Um, you can also submit them in our Discord channel, which is very active. Uh, we will put a link in the description to that if you want to join in on the conversation. Um, we're also on Twitch. We're on Twitter, at GoModePodcast. Um, there's a YouTube channel. Shout out to Sightnix for running that for us. 
Um, and I think that's it for podcast shout outs. Uh, Kern, I want to once again thank you so much for joining us. Um, speaking of fetch questions, you sent us some near kind of the beginning of our run. And, uh, you know, we've always known that we wanted to have you on and, and just didn't know when the time was. And I'm just really glad that we finally were able to uh, have you come on and share some of that knowledge with us. So uh, thank you again so much for Yeah, for actually, us those today. questions were the reason why we didn't have you on for so long. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Oh, man. <laughs> Awful no, questions. I was uh, honestly, I, I was uh, really impressed when I read them um, that he had the foresight to say, look, I know this email is really long, but you said they could be as long as we wanted them to be. So you asked for it. Here goes. And then he just unloaded. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. So, um, yeah, it's really, really good to have you on, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, is there, uh, do you want to plug your, your Twitch page or if you have like any other social media or anything like yeah, that where you, you could like people follow? Yeah, sure. I mean, my Twitch is just twitch.tv slash Kern. Um, but Q-I-R-N. Q-I-R-N. Yep. And, but what I really want to plug though is actually, um, my discord channel, uh, where, yes. I mean, I we kind of touched on this folks aren't aware. I have a series um, of videos, YouTube or yeah, like YouTube tutorials for randomizer called stupid tech. So in my Discord, we kind of like, you know, huddle and try to figure out weird, obscure stuff. And then also people give me feedback on how I can improve my videos. And I'm doing a big drive right now to try to get 100 people in my Discord. We're currently at 60. Once we get to 100, I'm going to do a blindfolded randomizer run. Ooh. All right, folks, you, you heard it. Uh, we'll put a link to that Discord in the description. Let's go ahead and get that number up to 100 so we can watch this guy uh, flail around high roll in the, in the dark. I think that sounds pretty fun. Can't wait. <laughs> um, Dante, what about your Twitch? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Dante. All three A's in all their glory. <laughs> Herf? Twitch.tv slash Herfy Durfy. Herfy Durfy. When's the last time you streamed? Oh, man. Do you want me to look it up? I'll <laughs> no, look you for you real quick. Hang on. It's going to take a while. But everyone should go follow Herf so that when you get that email notifying you that he's live, you can all flock to the channel <laughs> in, in, in all its glory. Yeah, All the guys I host are great people, so you'll find lots of entertainment on my channel. <laughs> yeah, just use it like a, like a TV channel. Like It's yeah. always going to have something good on. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and I'm at twitch.tv slash timp underscore. I've actually done my last few seeds offline, which has been kind of nice, not having to worry about getting the whole stream set up and, you know, interacting with people. Just, you know, just sit down and play it. That's been that's been nice. Uh, but I will be starting up more music streams soon. Um, I've uh, uh, started to really get into that. So that will, that will start in a big way here soon. So um, follow me for updates on that. All right, well, uh, I think I'm finally dry from the uh, hot tub, so um, let me just get the rest of the water out of my ears here, reach into my backpack that I brought, and um, I'm going to take a look at this mirror. Oh, there's a lot of fog on it from the heat. All right, time to mirror out. Mirror out.